God had heard that things were not going well down here on earth. And that uh, doesn't surprise us. So God sent down some angels to check things out. The angels came back and they reported to God. They said things are worse than we thought. He said about 90% of the people on earth are evil. And there's only about 10% that are good. And God thought it can't be that bad. So he sent a second group down. And they came back and they said, oh, sir, it's worse than that. He said, we've got numbers as high as 95% evil and only 5% good. And God said, well, I'm going to send an email to the 5% just to encourage them. And you know what it said in that email? You didn't get one either, huh? In the early 1940s, a baseball player came through St. Louis. His name was Stan Musial. He was a star for 24 years. He got a nickname one day in Pittsburgh. They, uh, they said, the Pittsburgh fans said every time they looked over, that man was waiting to bat again. And that phrase stuck with him for the rest of his life, and he's died now, but they call him Stan the Man Musial. Six decades later, Somebody even better came through St. Louis. His name was Albert Pujols. And everyone started calling Albert the man. And Albert said, absolutely not. Because he knew of the history in St. Louis and he respected Stan Musial. He said, absolutely not. So they nicknamed him El Hombre. Anybody know what that means? The man in Spanish. That is correct. But he said... It, I will not take the title, the man. Now here's the here's where I'm going with this. The passage that we're going to look about look at in Isaiah 50, and honestly next week in 51, and a couple of weeks in 52 and 53, it is all the story of Jesus. Now remember, this was written 750 years later. All right, what I want to show you is very clearly that Muhammad's not the man, Buddha's not the man. Moses was not the man, and maybe more importantly, you are not the man. You know, we go around, hey, you the man, no, you the man, no, there's only one. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 says, there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is only one who qualifies to be the man. And we live in a culture that is so crazy that that's considered hate speech simply to say that there's only one way to get to heaven, but there's only one that stood between all of our sins and God the Father. And that was the the man who came, died on a cross, shed his blood to pay our price. But now here's the deal. Throughout the Bible, starting in Genesis 3.15... You roll through and you're going to get hundreds of prophecies about Jesus, about the Messiah. He's not called by name, but about the Messiah. And when Jesus comes onto the scene, Jesus has to fulfill every last one of those or he's not qualified to be our Savior. Does that make sense to you? So 
Satan tries to block him at every single attempt. The little ones, the big ones. If Jesus doesn't get to the cross, if he dies in the streets of Jerusalem, we're still in our sins because he didn't fulfill that final, that final prophecy that he will die on a tree. So Jesus, while he's laying on the street, bruised and bloodied and dying, the Romans tell a man named Brutus, pick up the cross. And he takes his cross and carries it to the top of the hill. And Jesus fulfills the final prophecy that he would die for man's sin and that he would then rise from the dead, death proving he was man, the, risen, the raising from the dead proving that he was God. Let's look at Isaiah 50. Here we go. Please stand. That's a given. It's a given. In Jewish, in Jewish tradition, you stand the whole time and the pastor sits. All right, I'm just letting you know that. It's a bonus. All right. The Sovereign Lord, this is speaking about the Messiah, the Sovereign Lord has opened my ears. And I have not been rebellious. The, when the Messiah comes, he will do everything that God says. I have not drawn back. I offered my back to those who beat me. My cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who is he that will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. Now here's, here's how it works. Jesus is the light. We're going to get to that in a minute. John eight twelve says Jesus is the light of the world. He says, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servants? You'll stay under his light. Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. But now all of you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. You can be seated. That's a beautiful place to end, isn't it? You will lie down in torment. Who lies down in torment? First of all, I feel like in our culture today, by the way, welcome Palm Bay, the land, and everybody watching online. Um, but I feel like today we've tried to make hell less hot. We've tried to make hell say, oh, I'm going to hang out with my buddies in hell. No, that's not how it works. You will be cut off and you will suffer and it will be torment and it will be horrendous. Matthew 25 goes into great detail. And it's not, it's like God's, God's sitting around going, man, I can't wait to smoke that guy. No, God, God sent his grace. He sent his son Jesus to deliver us. If you go to hell, God's just saying, okay, I'm giving you what you wanted all along. That's what hell is. But he says, the people that are there, pay attention to this, they light their own fires. Did you see that? Jesus is the light of the world. 
He said, but if you don't want my light and you light your own fire, then you can be prepared for eternal damnation. Because there's only one light, one path, one way, and that is through the mediator, the man, Christ Jesus. But if you're here today and you're thinking, no, I, wait a minute, I'm the man. No, they're the man. Now, ladies, just work with my analogy. Don't send me an email. All right. Um, but that's the battle that we face. But here's, we're going to talk about why Jesus was qualified to be called the man. First of all, he was tortured. Now, there's all kinds of, 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 of scriptures that are fulfilled just in these three opening three verses. It said that he did not turn away his back when they went to beat him. Remember, Jesus was beaten and flogged. There's no imagery to help you understand this. If you saw the passion of the Christ, you got an idea. Um, but Jesus was stripped naked. He was, he was tied to a pole. And they beat him with a cat of nine tails. It's got, it's the leather scraps and it's got rock and it's got glass in it. And it would hit and it would wrap around your body and it would just rip your body to pieces. And the blood's flowing and the, and the, the muscles and the sinews are being torn apart. They, they jammed a crown of thorns on his head, more blood, more gore. They put a scarlet robe on him and they made fun of him. They mocked him as being king and then they ripped it off and all of that, all of the, skin would have ripped off when they pulled that off. But it said Jesus did not turn away from the beating that he was going to take. That was your beating, guys. That was my beating. We're the ones that deserved it. Jesus is the one that took it. It said they mocked him and they spit on him. They made fun of him. Here he is, the creator of the universe. Here he is, the savior of the world. And you're spitting in his face. We have a lot of people that still do that today. They still mock Jesus. They still go about spitting in his face and, and making, making mockery of, of who he is. It says they also pulled out his beard. Now, today that may not have much meaning to you. Let me help you with this. In ancient Judaism and today, if you've ever seen a Hasidic Jew... Um, the, a major portion of them live in Jerusalem. Some of them live in New York. They dress in all black. Black hats, and black clothes, and they've got the big beards. They never cut their beards, and they have the curls on the side. You with me? Uh, that's a Hasidic Jew. They never cut their beards out of respect for God. They let their beards continue to grow. And the, the imagery of cutting off or pulling out a man's beard is taking away his manhood and taking away his relationship with God the Father. And it says that Jesus had his beard pulled out, he was tortured, he was, he was humiliated in front of the world. He didn't deserve to be there. What do we know about Jesus? Jesus was sinless. Jesus took our price he took our beating our mocking our spit he took all of that because of his love not just for us this is the hard part but for people who right now hate him there are people right now that hate jesus and they hate the church and they hate us and yet jesus died for them as much as he died for us that's that's the message acts five thirty says the god of the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, who you had killed by hanging him on a tree. 
By the way, that was the harshest way to go, was to die on a tree. Oh, the Romans were brutal. Again, they're making a statement. The Romans are taking over the world, and the, the one place that they struggled with the most was Judea. It was those, it was those Jews. Because they kept fighting back. They would not blend in to the Roman society. And so it was a constant war. There is a huge garrison of Romans that is stationed there in Jerusalem all through this time. And that's, that's why the, the presence is there. The, the, the pilot and all the other Roman leaders, they've got a place there in Jerusalem to, to try to calm down the crazies that are there. And so the Romans would crucify you in the most horrible way possible. Because the goal was to get you never to mess with Rome. But here's what you got to understand about Isaiah. Isaiah wrote those words that I just read to you 750 years before Jesus was born. 500 years before the Roman Empire existed and 500 years before crucifixion was invented. And yet when we get into 52 and 53, you're going to see a blow-by-blow description of the crucifixion. Now, people said, well, maybe Isaiah was written later. These brilliant scholars that are not so brilliant. Um, Isaiah must have been written later. They're just, they're just ad-libbing here. Um, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947... They, uh, there's a lot of little fragments. Some of them are, they're just now figuring out how to read them. They got new technology. Some of them are bigger pieces. But the one scroll that they found completely intact, anybody know? It's Isaiah. Isaiah's scroll would go from one end of this stage to the other. It reads word for word what you have in your Bible. It is exact. And we know that it was written before the time of Jesus. So at the very least, it was written in the, the first century, but it wasn't. It was written, it was written in the eighth century BC. And here Isaiah is seeing all of these things in place and Jesus is fulfilling every one of them so that they would know he was the Messiah. The Russell family served in China. This is back in the 1950s. They served in China for 50 years to share the gospel. And this is one of J. Russell's great quotes. He said, when there's no battle, there's no victory. The greater battle, the greater the victory. The greatest battle ever fought was what Jesus did for our soul. Whether you know it or not, Satan is in a battle with Jesus for every soul on the planet. And you want to know how loved you are? You're worried about you're just a bunch of atoms? No. There's a battle going on for your soul, my soul, for your marriages, your families, for this country. If you look at what's going on in our country today and you look at it only in a physical term, you've missed what's going on. Because Satan is working in higher areas and the church has to work in higher areas if we're going to win this battle. So he was tortured. He was also humiliated. They stripped him naked and hung him up. Now, everybody's there. Again, this is how they did it. So when people would walk by, they would mock you more. They would spit on you. Who's there at the cross? Jesus' mother? One of his disciples, John? And Jesus is hanging there naked, humiliated, bleeding, suffering. Why the humiliation? Can I take you back? 
let's just let's just run the clock back. Everybody ready? Let's run the clock back to you. Let's just say 18 years old. Is there anything there at 18 that you'd rather not the public know about? Anything you said, did, participated in? My wife uses this against me all the time. It really bothers me. When I'll say something, I get frustrated with, with somebody of the younger generation, and she'll say, Joe, tell me what you were doing when you were 18. I was in a prayer service, sweetie. That's what I was doing. <laughs> None of us want that brought out, do we? We deserve to be humiliated. We deserve to be stripped naked and stand in judgment in front of an all-holy God. But Jesus took it for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. That's why the Father had to turn away when Jesus is on the cross. Because he couldn't look at sin. And it wasn't Jesus' sin. It was the whole world's sin. You see, Adam started this deal. Adam and Eve took from the fruit of the tree, they ate it, and they broke the covenant with God. But in Romans 5, it says that whatever Adam broke, Jesus fixed when he died on the cross. So he fixed it for all of us. So the shame, the humiliation, the abuse... Everything He took it all for us. And then you read in, in Hebrews where it says, For the joy set before him, Hebrews 12.1, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What's the joy? He's been tortured. He's been humiliated. He was looking at all of us. He was looking at the world and saying, Those people are now going to be able to come back into my Father's kingdom. But then the last part of it, he says, his face was set like flint. This is such an important statement. And you're going to get another round of this next week when he talks about the rock that we were cut out of. But Jesus set his face firmly. And you see this all throughout the Gospels where it says, Jesus says, I have to go here. I have to go there. I have to do this. They came to arrest him in the garden. Peter takes out, the, takes out a sword and tries to cut a guy in half. Remember that story? Jesus heals the guy's ear. Why they didn't repent right there, I don't know. But Jesus said, don't you know I have to do this? That my hour has come. Because he knew that if he didn't fulfill the prophecies, he would not be qualified to be the man. That's the statement that we look at. But here's the quote. If you go home with one thing today, get this one. And I asked people last night, do you want to post something on Facebook? Here it is. I don't even know who I stole it from, so it's okay. The gospel is meant to change the sinner, not for the sinner to change the gospel to suit their sin. We live, just leave that up there, please. We live in a culture in the church where we've totally mishandled the scripture, and this is really how we live. When it comes to our ethics, when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to truth and lying, you name it, whatever it is, we shove it under the rug because hell can't surely be that hot. Or God just loves us all and it doesn't matter anyway. No, pay attention here. The gospel is meant to change the sinner 
not for the sinner to change the gospel to suit their sin. Did you get a picture of that? All right. That's powerful. That's powerful, but that's where we live today, where a lot of people are not giving credence to what the truth is. So let me just reiterate. Muhammad's not the man. Buddha's not the man. But that's probably not most of our problems. The government's not the man. President's not the man. The king's not the man. The princes are not the man. 1 Timothy 2.15 says there's only one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Now here's where we get right down to it. I don't think most of us are thinking multiple options here. I don't think you're sitting around going, well, maybe, maybe it's... Maybe it is Joseph Smith. Maybe it's Fred down the street. Maybe he's the Messiah. I don't think you're thinking that. But I do think we all battle with thinking, I'm the man. I think we all battle with that. And, and the, reason, the reason I know that is because Isaiah wrote about it. God told Isaiah to write it down. He said there's going to be a lot of people that are committed to lighting their own lights. So you can either light your own light and try to stand before an all-holy God, or you can go in with the light of the world, Jesus himself. I don't know where you're at. I'm, I'm pleading with you to get right with Jesus. Because I'm telling you, hell's hot and heaven's great. And neither one have an exit door. If you need to accept Jesus, you come over here. People will be there to pray with you online. There's a button I've decided. If you just need somebody to pray for you, you need to be encouraged today. you got something heavy on your heart. Come on over here. Uh, the prayer team will be over there. But I want to take you back to your middle school years. Grade school, we survived. But middle school was ugly, right? And they would pick two people to be captains. And... You're hoping that your friendship will get you picked. You just don't want to, you're trying not to get picked last, right? But it depends what the game is. Some games, different people have better gifts. I'll tell you for me, remember that rope that they hang, they would hang from the ceiling in the uh, gym and you had to climb the rope? Remember that? Part of, of Ken, uh, President Kennedy's uh, fitness thing. Look at this body and tell, you, tell me if you think this body goes up a rope. It does not. It does not. It never did go up a rope. So when it was time to pick for that one, yeah, no, nobody was interested in me. We all know what it feels like to be down the line when it comes to getting picked. But here's how this story works. Every one of you, you're the captain. And you get to pick. Somebody's going to go with you when you stand before God the Father. Are you going to go in with your own homemade light? Or are you going to go in with the light of the world? But the one thing I know what Scripture says, there's only one man. And that man is Jesus. So, Father, I pray that today you would move in people's hearts. Some people need to accept you. Some people need to turn back to you. Uh, some need to get serious about this. The world's a scary place. Always has been a scary place. Death is real. Heaven's real. Hell's real. And I pray that you would move today, that your spirit would be speaking to people and you would make them get out of their seats and bring them forward, that they would find salvation in the God-man, the man who came to rescue all of us.
in Jesus' name. Amen.